This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com. Our mission here at the Talking Taiao podcast is to inspire and support people, businesses and communities to value the environment and act to prioritise sustainability. We would like to highlight our region's efforts in acting as guardians of the land, Taranaki Tiaki Taiao, while weaving Te Reo Māori and Matauranga within our conversations to help our wider community learn through a positive, educational and uplifting lens. Kia ora and welcome back to the Talking Taiao podcast for this episode. We have another special guest um, to talk about a very specific topic as usual. I'm Alvisa and we've got Brittany and Marsha and our special guest Soraya uh, in the studio today. So I'll hand it over to Brittany to give a bit of an introduction. Kia ora everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm really excited to have Soraya Sidhu Singh in the um, in the room with us. We, she's been doing a lot lately and we really want to highlight this for everyone. It's really relevant right now. Um, so I'm just going to set the stage. Bear with me as I set the stage so everyone can kind of get on, on the same page as us for why this is so important. Um, so delivering on sustainable transport is key to our national emissions goals, the Teranaki 2050 roadmap vision and our guardianship of the environment. So transport emissions have been growing strongly. They're driven by economic growth and a relatively low oil price. Current transport demands, which are 99% reliant on, on oil, are strongly embedded in the economic and social fabric of the country. And this is according to the Ministry of the Environment Emissions for Transport. Um, not many people know that Transport New Zealand makes up about 20% of New Zealand's total greenhouse gas emissions each year. Taking action to reduce transport emissions is a key area that organizations can work together in reducing our contribution to this climate change. Um, and it will help us save money, too, and probably a, a couple other benefits that we'll find out later in the show. So with 10 years left to constrain global warming, a dramatic step needs to be made to ensure all infrastructure projects, products, housing and transport investments enable a low carbon future. Um, and one thing that I realized when we were looking through our resources, because there's been a lot on this topic lately, but the very obvious thing is our public transport system. And Sarai is going to tell us a little bit about her journey on this. So You've got a group. Welcome, by the way. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Um, I just love what you're doing. I was immediately attracted to how you're going about this um, within our community. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about the group that you started. Sure. Um, so I started a little Facebook group maybe two weeks ago called I Love Public Transport Taranaki. And uh, the the that group has currently got about uh, 130 members, which is, I think, pretty good for a <laughs> two-week-old group yes. in, in Taranaki. And uh, that's been amazing to sort of see that sort of influx of people interested, which has been really cool. The The background to this was that um, I I love making Facebook comments. <laughs> and 
Um, Brian Vickery is, is somebody who's a, a sort of a media figure in, in Taranaki and uh, I've been making comments and he sort of says, oh, your comments are always really thought, well thought through. I always think you should have a column in, in, in um, the Taranaki Daily News. And I was kind of like, oh, that's really sweet. And then I started thinking about it more and more and my background is kind of uh, is writing in general. Um, and, yeah, and I sort of thought, oh, why don't I do that? And um, it, kind of at the same time I've been thinking a lot about um, the way that uh, parking and congestion, particularly parking, is a massive issue in New Plymouth, and people get really, really hit up about it. And I started thinking about how... Um, and one of the things I'd also noticed is not very many people have made the connection between solving parking and connection, um, par- parking and congestion issues and active transport, like public transport, walking and cycling. I mean, it might sound really obvious to you if you have made that connection, but a lot of people just think you you solve road problems with roads. And what we know from global experience is you absolutely cannot. (laughs) And in fact, they are really, really expensive, and they just lead to more parking problems and more congestion problems because it attracts more traffic. And stress. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and that's really interesting, eh? Because we hear a sort of a bit of anger on on some radio stations, (laughs) Uh, um, you know, directed towards cyclists especially, and and I think we should come back to that point about people getting angry in traffic. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so I was sort of thinking, like, um, I actually think, like, making that point about how do we actually really solve these problems in a long-term, sustainable, um, human-friendly way there's a really big education piece to sort of go on about that, but also there's, I think, a piece for me to learn from other people in Taranaki about what their transport problems are and um, what they think are the solutions. I used to, because um, I've been interested in sustainability since I was a teenager, you know, Greenpeace took me on a course and taught me how to chain myself to bulldozers. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't quite, I didn't continue Whoa, along. Whoa, yeah. really cool image. There's a lot of health and safety involved in that. <laughs> There wasn't so much sort of, you know, um, an oversight of of what was going on there because, you know, environmental issues were so niche back then. Um, Yeah, so so I've been interested in this for a long time. As a teenager, I had experience of trying to use public transport in New Plymouth and having finding it just insanely difficult, you know, real, real terrible kind of, when you're really committed to it and you know the benefits if it's really difficult. So when I'd returned to New Plymouth from living overseas, from living in London um, four years ago, I just kind of basically, I had a little look on the Taranaki Regional Council website um, and I found uh, it looked kind of like the system was pretty similar to what I'd experienced when I was at school. It looked like there hadn't really been many improvements made, particularly things <coughs> like um, very irregular buses, no buses after about 6 o'clock, and uh, no buses on weekends. And for a lot of people, that just doesn't fit in with their lives. Um, and so I just said, oh, I, won't, I won't use it, even though I'm really pro-public transport. Um, I'm just going to have to get on with a car. And then it becomes this big part of my life, driving my car everywhere. Um, but yeah, starting to think about these these um, parking issues that everyone's obsessed with, you know, and rightly so, because it is a big issue. Um, you know, can I be part of the solution to that somehow? And that's how this kind of idea of uh, one bus a week came. So I sort of thought, I'm going to explore what the public transport is re- system is really like and the problems that people have with it and how it could be improved just through this simple medium of taking one bus a week. And uh, that's what my column is about, what I've been finding out through doing that. And 
Um, where am I going with that? <laughs> when, when can we expect to see your column? Is this something that we can look out for now? We don't have a definite start date yet. Um, I, I'm expecting it to be late August, early September. Great. And yeah. that'll be in the Taranaki Daily News? Yes, and on the awesome. stuff.co.nz website as well. Wonderful. Cool. Yeah. So shareable, make it shareable. <laughs> yeah, so you yeah. can reach more people as well, not just, yeah. like, it's not limited to just Facebook and social media. Exactly, yeah. And I, I kind of decided to start the, uh, I realised that um, Taranaki doesn't have a public transport users group as such that I know of, that I could find. And I sort of thought, that's probably, you know, to, to make this have a bigger impact. You're sort of thinking... I don't know if anyone's going to read my column, but there's a sort of a what if factor. What mm. if people actually see this and, and, you know, are really interested in this? Can we kind of grab that enthusiasm and get together as um, as groups of people? And even if that just means, um, like some of the things I've been doing recently, for example, like I noticed a, just one mistake in my local bus map and um, I kind of fed it back to, you know, to the... Um, uh, to the people that that's supposed to go to. <laughs> and uh, and then I sort of started thinking, I wonder if there's any more mistakes in any bus maps. And uh, I started going through them all and just finding absolutely heaps of mistakes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm not sort of bringing that up as a way of, like, poking at, oh, these people have made mistakes, but actually those mistakes make the public transport lines look less usable because, for example, the bus stop that was missed off for me on my route was the one that's closest to the supermarket. So then I got this message that I'm going to have to walk 1.5 k's to the supermarket. What, and then back with your groceries again? Exactly, and no one is going to do that. But (laughs) actually there's a bus stop like 200 metres away. And it's these little things that seem really little can actually make a massive difference to usability in public transport. Yeah. So it's good that you're going through it with a fine comb and saying, okay how can we make this a pleasurable experience for people? And Alvisa's yeah. tried using the bus system. I like As a non-bus user, I've never stepped on a bus in New Plymouth, ever. I'm sorry, but I haven't. I've, I oh. e-bike everywhere, and I get the finger every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand road rage. And like my whole idea was active transport. But now mm. that you've brought to light the bus, which is so there, mm. and it's so easy to just use. I mean, everyone's got a bus stop close by their neighborhood. Most yeah. people do. Paint me a picture, maybe when we come back, mm. of what a really good bus system would look like. Like, you mm. were living in, in London, you said. Yeah. So I want to know, what would a really good system be? Should we take a song break? Yeah, sounds good. Um, what song do you have in mind, Soraya, that you could share with us? Oh. Um, we haven't really gone into this yet uh, much, but one of the things that's really important to me about the, the co-papa of I Love Public Transport, um, Taranaki, is it's all about love of public transport. It's not about cars suck or anything like that. It's <laughs> totally positive in every kind of way. And uh, so one, there's somebody um, called... Um, Anthony Tonnen, I hope I'm saying his name right. He's a New Zealander. Yes. I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yay. Yeah, and he's, um, he's a Whanganui-based uh, musician, and uh, he's been doing a lot of public transport advocacy in his area as well, and he's written a lot of songs about public transport, uh, and this is one called uh, The Capital Connection, which is, uh, you know, he had this kind of idea because there's this train line between Palmerston North and Wellington that goes like, once every evening or something like that. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Um, it's got a bar is probably the most famous thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's my public transport advocacy. <laughs> but he's written this song. It's got no marketing budget like a lot of public transport services. You know, we get pushed these aggressive ads about all kinds of 
car-based, different cars, but where there's basically no budget to advertise public transport. So he's written a song about, you know, how awesome the Capital Connection is, uh, you know, based around their phone number that you can phone for ticket information, which is 0800 Arrivals. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. St. Peter's Gonville. Thank you to Annette Main. Thank you to Mark at the Wanganui Tram Shed. How about a round of applause for our bus driver, Stuart? My name is Anthony Tonnen. I hope to see you again in Gonville. But until then, take the capital connection, take the capital connection, take the capital The last great train of its kind, of its kind. 
Welcome back to Talking Tire. We have Soraya in the studio today. Elvisa and I are talking to her about public transport and the obvious things that we can all do to lower our carbon footprint and make um, our daily lives a lot better, potentially, without worrying about parking and driving everywhere. Um, so, Soraya, can you... We had a really good Cordero just before, but just going off of that, can you paint us a picture of what a really good public transport system would look like? I mean, you lived in London, so if they don't have it right, then maybe there's no hope for us. I don't know. But yeah. we're just a small city. How can we achieve a really smooth system for people? I think this is one of the challenges that we have because sometimes if you talk to people that are over 80, for example, they've had these experiences of having a really uh, well-funded bus or tram system and, you know, just jumping on and off them whenever you want to and that kind of thing. And, and perhaps most people in Taranaki maybe haven't had the opportunity to live outside Taranaki and so they don't have that kind of experience. But, um, for example, I guess paint, painting the picture of, of where we're at right now, there's about... Uh, 10-ish lines, uh, bus lines in, in Ngamoto, New Plymouth that go to different parts of the town. Uh, no services. Well, there is kind of a service on, on Saturdays that runs twice. Um, and But for the rest of the weekend, basically nothing. And there's about four services uh, within the wider Taranaki area. Um, one of them, for example, just runs once on a Friday and only runs in one direction. So you get kind of like, it's quite, quite limited. Um, so with this kind of low level of service, what you get is is that it's quite difficult to sort of, it's kind of only if you're in that one place and you can take it from there to there. And that's what I've been doing with my kind of, my one, one trip. But once you get a, a public transport system that kind of knits well together, that the buses or trains, all of the system is actually working quite closely together, people can get from anywhere to anywhere using public transport. Um, some of the benefits that you get with that are, are incredible. I mean, I worked out that if, if just one in ten people in Taranaki took um, took one bus a week, one, like just one bus a week, we're not talking like your entire commute or anything like that. Um, so that would, uh, there's, a, there's a calculation of how many uh, jobs 
extra money going into the economy would bring 15, 15 new jobs in Taranaki, just in the transport industry itself. It would generate uh, 1.5 million in revenues from fares. It would leave uh, 256 parking spaces vacant. So that's like a parking building the size of the Powderham Street uh, parking building that you know people are upset it's closed. And um, it would save uh, 1,915 tonnes of carbon a year. Um, one of the other things people often don't think about is that um, there's a little walk at the beginning and end of your journey. And I, for, for me, that's over 2,000 steps, you know. Um, and that works out actually with just the one bus a, a week. It's walk, walk, walking eight kilometres a year. <laughs> Nice. So, you know, you just get all these benefits with a lo- along with it. And I think we were going back to what, what a good system looks like, yeah. weren't we? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the sort of idea about when you get into a situation where, you know, y- you can take it to the point where you, people don't need to own a car. And say, for example, in central Wellington, you find there's a lot of people don't own cars. And they don't feel oppressed by that at all. They feel like it's an opportunity. And uh, this is one of the things that um, I find if you're going to go and talk to someone who lives in, say, central Wellington and is a public transport user or central London, and the, the attitude they have towards public transport is that it's freedom as opposed to the idea that we have here right now, I think, which is that cars are freedom, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we can make that transition, and that is possible. And, you know, we are all the same humans. (laughs) So, you know, there is this idea, yeah, we do have a cultural idea that cars are freedom, but that can change, Mm -hmm. you know? Auckland's gone through this transition. They've got over 20% of their commuters are doing their commute by public transport. You know, 10, 15 years ago, that was 3%. That is a massive change, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I absolutely believe that we can get there. I love that. And I love that you're using examples from other cities because I was a student in Wellington City for three years Mm -hmm. and I never owned a car the whole time I was down there. And I did live, you know, like a 15-minute walk from town downhill and I'd still have to walk uphill (laughs) on the way home. But like you said, I kept fit and and relatively healthy for a student. Um, And there are those sort of ripple positive effects that come from um, the utilisation of public transport community, for instance, the other day, you know, the more you use public transport, the more familiar faces you see, it really fosters community. um, And the other day I shared on in that group, um, oh, by the way, I got my B card Ah. and I've just tucked it in the back of my... Shall we say what a B card is? Yes, good idea. It's a little piece of jargon really, isn't it, in a way? Yeah, true. (laughs) This is one of the things I'm looking at as barriers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you know, so the B card is, it's a a bus card, isn't it? A digital bus card that you can put money onto. Yeah, and it's actually, I think it's owned or it's funded at least by... um, by a lot of the regional councils around um, New Zealand, um, I think that's how it's how it works. Mm. Um, at, but in Wellington, they have the Snapper card, and I remember using the Snapper card all the time. Um, but they, you'd have to go into a shop to top it up, like a dairy or something. With the B card, you can top it up online, which is really handy. Mm. So that's like ten years of progress right there. <laughs> yeah, and I think also the other thing people should know is you can pay cash. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Where can you get the B card? You, well, I ordered mine online, but do you know if you can get them in the shops? Right? I believe you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just really easy. And I mean, I love being able to say hi, like asking questions with the bus driver and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff, which is always nice. Um, and the other thing that always gives me a happy buzz is the um, 
thanks bus driver <laughs> it's like you're a good yeah. person you know like you automatically have that <laughs> um yeah appreciation for the bus drivers and what they're contributing to as well that's another relationship um, yep yeah. like you said the community is a big aspect like mm. you said it's a freedom for people in the city to be able to use public transport and i just mm. think when i was in cities in the states we would take this line to this line and then we would either take our bike off of that and walk there. In Germany, they've got it down really well with the mm. ECA and people, like, it was just part of life. It was just a really easy thing. Um, yeah. And I guess, like, my vision, I don't know, we can talk about mm. like, my vision's a little bit out there, but yeah, if you've been to Disney World and Epcot, they've got a monorail and it, you can see all of Disney World. It's so beautiful. And, like, how amazing would it be to... <coughs> hop onto a monorail in New Plymouth and be able to get anywhere you want, not yeah. worry about your kids or, you know, you just be comfortable and, like, be able to have a conversation with someone or do work on your laptop. I don't know. That was my lofty Listen goal. to a podcast. Listen to a pod- <laughs> Listen to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, yeah, like, uh, we used to have a tram system up until uh, 1953. <laughs> and it wasn't cancelled because it was unpopular, because it didn't have enough users. It was cancelled because... There was growing numbers of car users, and they were getting really annoyed with the driving over the lines. Oh, what? Uh, yeah, because back in the day, you know, your car didn't have very good suspension, so it was more likely to, you know, mm. be very annoying. And so, um, you know, Anthony Tonin talks in his work about one of the reasons why New Zealand has scrapped a lot of its public transport was actually because we're a really wealthy country in the 50s. And so while a lot of our countries were absolutely devastated by the Second World War, we were like, we can afford cars. And <laughs> we're kind of one of the only places in the world that can. And that was one of the reasons why we were so quick to do things like dump our trams, whereas they've kept them in most of Europe. And now we're kind of looking at this slightly embarrassing situation, actually, <laughs> where we're way behind the rest of the world. Mm. Asia is caught up so fast, you know, with their public transport. And South America is doing some absolutely incredible stuff as well. Um, there's a lot of cities there that are using Using, um, I guess what we call gondolas in, right, in New Zealand. Like the favelas but, in yeah. Brazil? Yeah, yeah. And um, one of the cities that's really uh, famous, I hope I can say it, Medellin in, um, in Colombia, they have really turned around the reputation of the city. It used to be considered to be like, you know, drug baron central and uh, everyone would sort of, you know, no, you know, no one would go. And Pablo would, Escobar central? Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah he was really associated with it. And uh, and now it's become like a holiday destination, a trendy holiday destination. And the way they did that, and I think this is really, really key, is that they put... Um, they put the disadvantaged communities at the absolute centre of designing how that system would work, like where it would go, when it would go, how much it would cost. Wow. The tickets are um, the equivalent of US uh, $1, so there'd be about $1.50 a ride on that, which is um, – actually, we just had an announcement that our um, our bus tickets are going to go down soon, right. so, you know, to sort of somewhere around closer to that level, so – Well, it's interesting you say they targeted an area where it was lower socioeconomic. That Mm. was where they focused. And that's what Jan Rotman said in his Zoom conversation. He's the professor who studied climate change, and he spoke at the last Venture Taranaki gathering. And he criticized, well, not criticized, he gave feedback on our 2050 roadmap. And Mm. he said, we're investing too much in technology. We should start investing in community and in people. And he said, you need to focus on your marginalized communities that and what you just said fits Mm. perfectly with that but I think there's a sort of a there's a bit of a tension with public transport because a lot of people take the message that um public transport should be built around marginalized communities and they start to think that the marginalized communities are the only audience for it 
But what actually really needs to happen is that we need to think about all the user groups, all the potential people who can use public transport. Because if we sort of just just think about this sort of idea of someone who, who can't use a car because they can't afford it or for disability reasons or something like that, then public transport starts to become this ghettoised kind right. of thing that has a really bad reputation. And that doesn't help those marginalised people. In fact, it's really terrible. Right. So, um, you know, I've been like drawing these little charts of different user groups. Like one of the things I'm finding is that people... People that have recently arrived in Taranaki from any kind of other area, it's very likely they've arrived at somewhere with um, from somewhere with really good public transport, or you know, more reliable than what we have here at the moment, and that they have um, they come with these preformed habits, but there's kind of then there's no real kind of way to receive them, you know. Interesting. Well, mm. so the the expectation is there, but we're how can we match that expectation or exceed it? So yeah. Do you want to tell us about the one bus a week challenge? Because I'm interested in that, all those stats you gave before. That's just from one person out of 10 people, Mm -hmm. which would be, what, like 8,000 people a day who would take the bus system and it would save all of these costs. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. And um, I think one of the things to highlight is because when we're doing sustainability advocacy in general, we talk a lot about how, um, and this has come out in the recent UN research, is that a lot of people think that they can solve all these problems through individual action, through if I just don't use, you know, um, plastic drinking bottles, then I'll solve this problem. But actually we need to be pressuring our uh, representatives to actually make really large-scale changes. But what I'm advocating here is this little small-scale change as well as that we, you know, be talking to our representatives about these kinds of issues as well and asking for more funding and that kind of thing. But that public transport in Taranaki is at such a low ebb. You know, if you work out the numbers of of adult users, 36,000 a year... So that basically kind of works out at about one one sort of fair-paying adult user um, per trip. <laughs> so like one a bus with one person on it. Mm. And so we can make such a massive difference by such a small effort to use public transport. And those numbers are falling, and they've been falling for the last five years, maybe longer. And I think that, that everyone is going to have to start paying attention if those numbers start going up, because that's going to be a really massive social change. People are going to realise... This has turned around, and there's not a lot of, I don't think, belief um, in the potential as well and in the fact that there are all these people out there who, if they understood the benefits, would use public transport. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's hashtag one bus a week. Um, like, we want to see more people not only using the hashtag but actually using the buses. <laughs> um, mm. So... Um, I really look forward to the results and your article um, that's due to come out soon. Um, And just before we close up, um, I just want to correct a piece of information that I said. Um, The B scheme is operated by um, a group of participating regional councils. They don't own B cards. So I just wanted to (laughs) make sure I corrected that bit of um, information. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so... Can we ask, be cheeky and ask one more question? Yeah. What is your vision for Taranaki in five years? Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, I think that it may not sound massively aspirational, but I would just like everyone to understand the benefits of public transport for themselves and their community because I think that from there flows everything, you know, and so that that's why I'm, I'm doing everything I can to just talk about it really yeah and start you know mentioning buses more getting on them all of that stuff makes a really big difference gets gets it in people's minds well shall we um 
look forward to another episode potentially and extend the conversation I'd um, love to. later I on down the line. I have really enjoyed this conversation, so we would love to have you here again. It was really great. I'd love to be here again. Kia ora. Kia ora. <laughs> This show is created and made possible by Sustainable Taranaki. Sustainable Taranaki is a charitable trust that was started in 1992 in Inglewood by a group of progressive environmentalists. It now has grown and expanded its reach but keeps the same vision of prioritizing our environment and educating the community. This show was first broadcast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM, thanks to New Zealand On Air.